I want to invite our next speaker up, who's going to bless us with an amazing message, I'm sure. She's also no stranger to this stage and is, in fact, one of the original co-founders of YouthFest. So it is my honor to invite Shaska up to the stage. Hi, guys. That was such a flattering introduction. Thanks, Tanya. Yeah, part of the OG crew, but I must say you guys have just, like, way better way better than we could have ever, so well done to the team. You guys have done an amazing job. We have been so blessed. I don't know about you guys, but I speak for myself. I have been so blessed by the word, by the um, praise and worship, by the dancing, by the skits. Every single thing has had so much effort poured into it, and God has been able to work through it. Amen? So I want to thank you once again for having me back. Um, I was here last year and I had such a blast. It's so, I'm so grateful to be a part of, a little part of what God is doing through Youth Fest every single year. So just to recap how much we've been blessed with Tanya's message on Friday night about making the choice, you will have to make a choice eventually. God doesn't want us one foot in the world and one foot with Him. So we need to make a choice to either follow God or don't. Preferably the word says choose life. So we need to make that choice. And then Daniela, wow, Daniela, thank you for blessing us this afternoon. It was a great message. Daniela taught us we need to stand up no matter how hard it might get. We need to stand up for our values and our beliefs. And we need to stand up for what God's doing in South Africa, right? Amen. Okay, so before I carry on, I'd like to pray. So if we could all just close our eyes. I want to dedicate this time to the Lord. Lord, thank you so much for this evening, Lord, and this weekend. We thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of our hearts, Lord. I thank you for good soil. I thank you that the the seeds of your word, Lord, will go forward and plant in good soil, Lord, and it'll be sustainable, not just for tonight or this weekend, but for a lifetime, Lord, for future generations, that we will stand up, Lord, and be the generation you've called us to be, Lord. Fearlessly, Lord, I thank you, and I'm ready to see what you're going to do tonight, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so when Tanya called me to find out if I would preach, I obviously said yes, because I was so excited to be back. But then when she told me what the topic was, which is living a fearless life, do you want to know what the first thing I thought of was? Fear, yeah, you guys got it. I was very afraid. I was like, oh my word, I don't think I have enough life experience, which is so valuable. Um, I don't think I can remember a time where God asked me to do something and I was like, yes, 100% no fear. And I just jumped into it. And, you know, I don't remember a time like that, which is quite ironic. And I don't want you guys to get scared because I have prepared and I will speak about being fearless. But just for me personally, I don't remember a time where I was just 100% like, no fear, God, I'm going to do this. So what do we do when we face things that we don't understand or we don't know? We go to the Word, right? So I want to have a look at Joshua 1.9, where it reads, it'll be on your screen. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So this scripture, it gives you a very um, vague understanding of how fear works, right, or how fearlessness works. It makes it seem like it's a little bit of a light switch of I'm facing this trial, so I'm going to be fearless, and I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to switch that little switch on, and then I can face the task ahead of me, right? 
But we all know that that's not how being fearless works. It's not some switch we can switch on when we need. It's a lot more complicated than that. But it makes us feel like you could just do it and you get disappointed when you face something and you say, I'm gonna be fearless and I'm gonna be courageous and I'm gonna do what God's called me to do and you, you, know, you try and muster up all the courage you have and then you still fail or you still feel fear. If it was that straightforward, we probably wouldn't be here tonight. We'd probably be all doing what God has called us to do and shouting about it from the rooftops without any fear. But we're all here today because we're seeking something. We need to understand something. And I think the second half of the scripture is so important to understanding how to live a life without fear. And it's, I think, something that a lot of the um, biblical heroes understood. They understood who their God was. They knew who was backing them. And the, the second half of the scripture is so important. If we could just read it quickly. It says, For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's not a case of be strong and courageous and then the Lord your God will come with you wherever you're going to go. It's be strong and courageous because God is with you wherever you go. So today, simply put, my message title is Fearless Because. It's not because of my faith. It's not because of my talent or my ability or um, something that someone has given me that's given me the ability to do what God has called me to do. It's about God. It's about who God is in my life. And in my life, God is good and God is in control. Amen. All the time. I like that. In my life, God is good. And if I face a trial that I think God isn't in, that's an incorrect thought pattern because God is good. God doesn't change. God is our provider. God is always with us. And if we stand on that fact, I'm not saying that fear goes away, but it's a lot easier to look fear in the face and say, I see your leash. You can't go further than that because I know who my God is. So I can be fearless because I know who my God is. You see, but we, we tend to forget so quickly. <laughs> we come to church on Sunday and, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And then Monday comes and things get a little bit difficult and you face something that you, you know, you thought you didn't have to and then God is nowhere to be found. It's a Sunday God is good, but Monday God is gone mentality. And we need to remind ourselves every single day, just practically for me, when I'm facing something that I'm surely scared of or that I don't want to face, I tell myself God is good and God is God. He is in control. There's nothing that comes to my life that he does not have his hand over and I can face the trial with that thinking. Like I said, it's not about my faith. It's not about what I can do and, and how much word I know because I could know the whole Bible back to front and upside down. But it's not going to change if I don't make that element a reality in my life. Okay, so I want to look at Moses today in Exodus, but a little bit of backstory. So in chapter 3 of Exodus, Moses sees this burning bush. Do you guys know about the story? 
Okay, great. So Moses sees this bush, and it's kind of weird because it's on fire, but it's not disintegrating. So he decides he's going to go have a look at it. He goes up to the bush, and then God starts talking to him. And then God gives him a mission. God says, Moses, I want you to go and free my people, the Israelite people, out of Egypt, right? And you guys know the seven plagues and then that whole thing. But God gives Moses a mission. God tells him, I want you to do this. Moses says, okay, God, who do I say is backing me? Who do I say has sent me? And God says, I am. Tell the people I am has sent you. God is. I am love. I am provision. I am your sustenance. I am your strength. God is. So Moses was teaching, God was teaching Moses, sorry, of his character. I am good. I am with you. He was teaching him and reminding him of his character because God knew that if Moses was sure and standard firm on who God is, the mission wouldn't necessarily be easy, but it would be easier to handle than what it would be without God. So then fast forward to chapter 4, which is where I want to start off tonight. Exodus 4, 1 to 9, it reads, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? I just said, chapter 3, God was telling Moses. Beginning chapter 4, Moses has forgotten. Right? He starts off with, what if they don't believe me? God said, I am. I will be with you. Moses said, but what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if it doesn't work out? What if I don't get that job? What if I don't get into that university? What if that person never forgives me? We all have what ifs. We all have things we struggle with and we don't always believe that God can do it for us. It's easy to believe for someone else. God will heal that person, but I'm not sure if God will heal me. It's because of our understanding of who God is to ourselves. God needs to be good for you. God needs to be good for me. He needs to be a healer for me and provision for me. The same with you. Until it becomes a reality in your life, it'll always be something you read about in the Bible and never experience. So moving further, in, in verse 2 it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I feel like God was standing there like, We have been through this, Moses. I will be with you. So let's just move on. But anyway, God is very patient, thank goodness. Then it says, The Lord said to him, What is it in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. I just want to note here quickly before we move on is that when God gives you a mission, he'll always give you the tools you need beforehand. He will never send you empty-handed. In fact, in Exodus 3, 21, it says, do you guys have it there? I'm not sure. It's fine if you don't. But it says that God is going to send the Israelites out and they won't go empty-handed. God said it already. You won't go empty-handed into the next season of your life. You will have everything you need. So God isn't asking Moses what's in your hand because God doesn't know. God is reminding Moses of what's in his hand. And it's a staff. So then we read on further to verse 3. It says, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake. And it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord has appeared to you. Moving further, it says, chapter, verse 6, Then the Lord said, 
put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said in verse 8, If they don't believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it out on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So today I just want to point out three things in that scripture. There's been a lot of three things. If you're taking notes, these are good notes to take. So three things today from this scripture that I believe God was showing me. The first is, don't run. Can everyone repeat after me, don't run? Okay. I believe that God was showing us with the whole exercise of Moses throwing the staff on the ground and it becoming a snake. He threw it and he obeyed God. He did what God told him to do and then he turned into something that could have probably killed Moses. So what was his first reaction? He ran. He ran. And a lot of us do that. We run from what God is trying to do in our lives. I'm not saying that God is going to send a snake or something bad. But what I'm saying is our perspective needs to change. What do we do when we're disappointed with the outcome? What do we do when we're praying for something and God gives us something similar, but not exactly what we need, what we wanted? How do we deal with that kind of disappointment? Do we run? Do we just give up and say, oh, God doesn't work in my life or God doesn't listen to me? What do we do when there's things that we're afraid of, when we've made some mistakes and now the consequences are chasing us down a little bit? Do we continue to run? God told Moses, reach out. Reach out and grab the snake by the tail. So as Moses did that, he reached out and grabbed the snake and it became a staff again. It became a tool again. God is trying to use something in your life that you keep running away from that's going to become a tool for the next season of your life. And we need to stop running because if we run, all it's ever going to be is a problem. All it's ever going to be is something we're too afraid to confront. And I'm sure God had a reason for telling Moses to grab it by the tail. I don't know anything about snake wrangling. So if there's someone in the audience who does, you can correct me afterwards if I'm wrong. But my theory is that if God told Moses to take the snake by the head, Moses would have seen the fangs and he would have gotten even more scared. And he would have just given up there on the spot and he would have said, no, God, this is not for me. Instead, God told Moses, grab it by the tail, and he did. And if the problem you're facing today, all you can do is just grab it by the tail, just grab a little bit, deal with a little bit, do it. Don't give up. If you're facing depression and all you can do is get out of bed, do it. If all you can do that day is open the curtains, do it. Because God will give you the strength for the next steps. God will give you the strength little by little. I think I was reminded of the lady with the issue of blood. She had been dealing with this issue for years and years and years. 
I would imagine that she was quite tired by then, quite ready to give up and just drop everything and say, my God doesn't heal and, and he's not capable of healing me. But I want you to put yourself in that lady's shoes for a moment and just imagine her wading through the crowd, tired, ready to give up, and she's pushing through the people to get to Jesus. What does she do? She grabs the tail of Jesus' garment and her whole body was healed. Sometimes all we need to do is just grab little by little and God will give us the ability to deal with the rest. So today, let's, let's be fearless because God doesn't give up on us. Let's carry on facing our problems little by little because God doesn't give up on us. Amen. And the second point I want to make today from the scripture is don't hide. Everyone say don't hide. Okay, so... God has now shown Moses the snake, and Moses has learned something from that. And now God tells Moses to put his hand in his cloak. So he puts his hand in his cloak, and then he takes it out, and it's leprous. It's got a skin disease that is quite ugly, and people were quite ashamed back in the day of that disease. So then God tells him to put it back, so he puts it back. And then God tells him to take it out again, and Moses obeys, and he takes it out. And it was restored. The word says that it was restored like the rest of his flesh. I wonder what we're hiding today. What are we hiding that we think is so ugly that God can't heal? I want to, in the, in the spirit of being vulnerable, I want to tell you guys a little confession. Is that okay? So a little while back, God showed me something about myself that I'm not proud to admit but I'm glad that he showed me so that I can work on it. I grew up in church and I, you know, every time the doors were open, my family was here and my parents were Christian and we'd pray at home. Sometimes even when the church doors were closed, we were still here. But that's besides the point. So we were always here, grew up in a Christian family. So I didn't think there was much wrong with me. Okay, don't judge me. I can hear your silence. I genuinely just, I didn't do anything bad. You know, I was quite okay. But if we're comparing, which I was, uh, compared to my husband, who was my boyfriend back at the time, I felt like he had a lot to work on, right? Because he didn't... (laughs) I've I've spoken to him about this, he knows. Uh, I felt like he needed to work on a lot of things because he didn't grow up in a Christian home. He only came to church when he was like about 16 and then he accepted Jesus as his saviour, praise God. But I thought, between the two of us, I'm the okay one. He was the one that needed some fixing, right? It sounds funny, but guys, it's so true. And I was, I was so taken aback when God showed me. You know what I could have done? I could have kept it here. I could have hidden that fact. And I could have stopped being vulnerable in front of God and not let him change that side of me. Because I had a lot to change. I still have a lot to change. I could have hidden it. You know, the sad thing about that is it makes us ineffective. When we're hiding things, it makes us ineffective. Because now I've got my hand here hidden because I don't want you guys to see what I'm hiding. I'm preaching with one, one, hand, one mic in the other hand. Now I've also got a daughter, so then I have to pick her up. Now I'm picking her up, but then I forget what's on my notes, so then I also have to get my notes. And then I have to talk like this and I have to read my notes. 
Do you see how that can become a problem? Do you see how one day something is going to fall apart? We need to be open with God. And when we see something that needs changing, we need to go to God and tell him, Lord, I'm sorry, help me. And God will restore it back to new flesh. God will always restore you back to new flesh. There is nothing in your life that is too ugly from God, for God. Maybe it's shame, you did something that you weren't supposed to. Maybe you spoke to someone in an ugly way. Maybe you've made a decision that has very big consequences that you feel too ashamed to tell anyone. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Don't hide it from God. We're fooling ourselves. God sees everything. The quicker you allow God to change you and make you whole again, the quicker he can use it as a tool to help other people who are going through the same thing. So don't hide. God needs to use your testimony. Allow God to change you from the inside out. And God is a gentleman. He is so patient. He will walk a road with you. And if you don't want to change it, he'll wait. And he'll bring it to your memory and then he'll wait until you're ready. But like I said, the quicker we realize the things in our lives that we are hiding and the quicker we're vulnerable with God, the better. The more people we can help. Because we all think that, oh, no one's going through what I'm going through. But there's a lot of people who are going through the same thing you're going through. Their life is just waiting for a testimony to grab a hold of and change their lives. So we can't hide, guys. I am fearless because God can restore. God always restores. So lastly, the point that I want to make here is sometimes we need to stand back. And I want to go back and I want to read the scripture here. Exodus 4, 8 to 9. If you just give me a moment to get back there. It says, Then the Lord said, If they don't believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they don't believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it out on dry ground, the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So if, if you can just put yourself in Moses' shoes... And imagine that God's speaking to you today the way he spoke to Moses then and showing you what God was showing Moses back then. If you don't believe that God can help you with your problems so that you don't have to run for the rest of your life from them, maybe you'll believe that God can restore you. But if you don't, let's imagine what Moses had to do on that day. He had to take water from the river and pour it out, right? But obviously, if he poured it out right in front of him, he'd get wet. And the point was for the water to fall on the dry ground. So he would have had to stand back a little bit and pour it out ahead of him or next to him. I want to challenge us today. Let's take what we're struggling with. Let's take our shame, our guilt, our unforgiveness towards others, our unforgiveness towards ourselves. Anything in our life that isn't producing fruit for God's glory, 
I want to challenge us to fearlessly lay them on the ground, take a step back, and watch how God will take Jesus, who is the living water, pour it out onto the dry areas of our life until all there is is the blood of Christ, who died on the cross for us. Until all people see of us is the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus covers a multitude. And if you don't believe that, just stand back and watch. Stand back and see as God does what only God can do. And it'll bless you. The thing about that is, if there was someone around Moses as he was pouring it out, it would have splashed them too. That's the great thing about God. He has you in mind, but he also has every one of us in mind. And if your life can touch someone else, believe me, God will do it. If you'll let him. So I wonder tonight, as I come to a close, if you've never had the opportunity, and Tanya, the band can come up if you'd like now. If you have never had the opportunity to have God work in your life where the living waters become blood over your dry areas of your life. With no one looking around, this is between you and God now. Be really vulnerable with yourself and with God. If you've never seen Jesus poured out in your life until all you can see is blood and no more sin and no more shame and no more guilt, I want to give you that opportunity today but it's going to take a step. It's going to take a choice. We're going to have to choose life like Tanya spoke about. We're going to have to choose to stand up like Daniela spoke about. And it's not a, an exercise to um, embarrass people. It's a decision between you and God, and it's a declaration between you and God. So if you don't believe that you've ever gotten the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give it to you now. And I want to ask in a moment that you'll stand with me and we'll pray together. Or maybe tonight you feel like you're still running from something. There's still a mistake too big that, that God can't fix. I want to tell you that's a lie. And it's keeping you paralyzed in moving forward into what God has for you. Fear keeps you paralyzed we become ineffective. So if you've been running and you want to stop running, I'm going to extend this invite to you as well. We will pray with you as well. And lastly, if you've been hiding something that you are tired of hiding and you're starting to fall apart at the seams because you can't do it anymore, this invite goes out to you as well. So if you fall into any of those categories, no one's looking around, no one's judging you, no one's thinking about you. I promise everyone is thinking about their own relationship with God at this moment. I want you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray with you. No one looking around. If you feel that you fall into any one of those categories, I'll pray with you. We're all going to pray with you as a family. So everyone under the sound of my voice in this venue, we are going to pray with the people standing up. So you can repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your word. 
God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me, to cleanse me of my sins, of my guilt, of my shame. Thank you, Lord, for the work you've started and the work that you are faithful to complete. Thank you that I am forgiven, that I am set free, and from today onwards, I am a new creation because of the blood that has been poured out for me. In Jesus' name, amen.